Welcome to Find Me, the podcast dedicated to helping families find their loved ones. Episode 1, Timothy T.J. Brady. Well, Timothy is a great dad. I call him Timmy. Uh, everybody calls him T.J. Uh, he's, he is a wonderful father. He's a great dad. He's a, a great son. He's helped us out quite a bit here on the property. Uh, he's put in floors for us. He's got a big heart. Um, he's funny. <laughs> he's got a sense of humor that is just, it'll make you laugh. Uh, he's just a good person. He really is. He's a, he's a great guy. Timothy's mother, Kimberly, joins us on this podcast, along with Nico, who is an investigator with We Are the Essentials, not-for-profit organization. Timothy lives in Grants Pass, Oregon, with his fiancée, Erin McCarty. He's a horizontal driller and was given a job opportunity in the Tampa Bay area. On December 2nd, he set out to make the drive from Oregon to Florida. However, due to inclement weather, he had to turn around and spend one more day at home. On December 3rd, he started to make the long drive, and by December 5th, he had made it to the Panhandle area. He stopped in here on the 5th of December and had three of his kids with him. The other three were in school, and he bought some pizza, and he was talking about the job and how excited he was because he was going to be close to the kids. And we're in the process of um, building on to our home. And Terry, he was talking with our husband, my husband, Terry. And he said, um, I'm going to come on in, not that week, but the following week. And I'm going to help you guys, you know, get some wood up and all that kind of stuff. And he was, uh, it was a projected job of 10 years. So he was really excited that he would be able to travel back from the Tampa area, Tampa Lakeland area, up to Panhandle to be with his kids. Early on the morning of December 10th, Timothy was on the phone with his fiancée, Erin, when his truck ran out of gas. Timothy then proceeded to get out of the truck and start walking on U.S. 19. It is at this point, sometime early in the morning on December 10th, that Timothy went missing. It is important to note it was not in Timothy's character to just abandon his family. Timmy just wouldn't disappear. He would call. He would text. He would do stuff. Every Friday, he called his kids. And if it wasn't every Friday, it was a weekend. He talked to his kids every week. And then all of a sudden, nothing. He promised his oldest daughter, Madeline, that he would be home for Christmas, and he wasn't. He don't make promises and not keep them. Nico with We Are the Essentials started the investigation, but immediately had difficulties getting cooperation from Hernando County Sheriff's Department. A couple of months ago, we started uh, looking for Tim, and uh, unfortunately, we were behind the eight ball uh, as far as initiating the investigation because we were waiting on information uh, to be provided from the Hernando County Sheriff's Office. Uh, unfortunately, that took a longer period of time than we anticipated, and, uh, and that caused us a delay from knowing exactly where we had a search. Uh, when Tim's vehicle was found uh, on Commercial Way, which is also known as uh, US-19, over by Wikiwashi High School, and 
the unfortunate thing is outside of that high school in a small living community, it is mostly dense woods, very dry, dense wooded area. Um, and uh, of course, other than dealing with the weather elements, you also have a number of different wildlife animals that you have to contend with while out there because like I said it's it, it's a vast area and yeah but we uh we've been searching out there down here just my opinion it's it's out of control when we before we even thought about formulating on our nonprofit, we were actually down in Sarasota County helping look for Brian Laundry, the guy that killed uh, Gabby Petito. During that time we were down there helping, talking to a lot of law enforcement and news agencies and so forth, we found out that well-kept secret is the amount of people that go missing here on the west coast of Florida, in particular the, the Tampa Bay area. And, you know, as we found out, it was a lot of women. A lot of women of color do not get the same treatment, if you will, as far as people looking for them um, and taking an interest in their disappearance. It's sad, but it's true. And that's why we formulated this group and you know and the reason frankly why we're taking cases like Tim's also is because it's out of control the numbers are out of control and there's not a lot of groups out there that do this kind of stuff because you know it, the money comes out of our own pocket if you will we're, we're not we're not paid by the families we do take donations but you know unfortunately a lot of these families don't have the money to pay for a private investigation or to give donations and stuff like that. So it's a, it, I don't want to say it's a burden on us also, but it's a cost that I think law enforcement should consider. And they know the amount of work that we have to do, the amount of effort and time it takes. So I think they should be more willing to share information with us. We're a friend. We're not a foe. We're not trying to get law enforcement to or embarrass them or get them to admit they made mistakes. We're, we want to help. The only way we can help is with their cooperation. In the state of Florida, they don't have adult missing persons, groups, squads, teams, if you will. They do for juveniles, but not for adults. So unfortunately, a lot of the missing persons cases get assigned to the homicide squads, which if you could imagine the amount of people that go missing every day, week, month, year, uh, there's quite a few. A lot of them are found. A lot of them are runaways. Um, but there is quite a few uh, that go missing, and there's some sort of criminality behind it. But unfortunately, because the criminality aspect of it is not found in the immediate or, or right from the beginning, these cases get put on the back burner because the priority in homicide, obviously, is homicide. Law enforcement agencies, not only in Florida, but throughout the country, are shorthanded. And frankly, that's why we started our missing persons. Uh, we are the essentials nonprofit because we try and help fill that gap somewhat uh, to help these families find their missing loved ones because if we don't, then who? The wooded areas out there. Uh, very dense and difficult to negotiate. We've done over the last four months, like I said, over 500 linear miles of walking and driving. And when I say driving, I think out of those 500 plus miles, we probably drove about 10 because you just can't drive that far, even with four-wheel vehicles. So that's how dense it is. 
we got to keep getting his name out there. We got to keep putting flyers out there. Um, but most of all, in cases like this, it's normally the tips from the community uh, that really help us. Nico was able to get a description of what Tim was wearing on the day he went missing. Tim always wore a baseball cap, and he had tons of them. So to say, oh yeah, he was wearing the black and gray one, uh, I'm not going to say that at all. But he always wore a baseball cap, uh, red hair and facial hair. He did have a beard, um, not a long one. But what, and one of the things we're able to do, since law enforcement would not, is we went and got the video from uh, the public supermarket and found out he was wearing a blue shirt with cowboy boots. And they weren't sure, and it's hard to tell whether they were cargo pants or jean-type material uh, trousers. But and he always wore his, his cowboy boots on the outside of his jeans. As a reminder, Timothy was on the phone with his fiancée, Aaron, around the time of his disappearance. One of the things you should know about that conversation is it wasn't only during the drive. When he, uh, when he ran out of gas, when the vehicle ran out of gas, Tim actually was talking to Aaron for quite some time after that while he was on foot. And while they were communicating, he was looking for water. He was dehydrated. Um, even though it was very late evening and early morning uh, of the next day, it, you know, he, you can tell he was not really thinking straight and uh, paranoid and just like all over the map, if you will. So initially... Um, what I was told when I, and when this whole thing happened, I was actually not in the country a few days after, but some of the people that I work with were already on the case. And initially, uh, the information was that there was no cell phone pain, uh, etc. Later on, we found out that there actually was two pings, one of which was around the same time Aaron was talking to TJ. It was Ridge Point, one one miles from a cell tower located in, in the vicinity of where his truck was. Um, unfortunately, the next thing that they had showed Tim's phone actually stopped working. Uh, whether it went dead or, or shut off, we don't know, but that was right at 5.30 in the morning. And had they have ever, see, they won't do any more on that cell phone. All they want to do is just the ping. We have asked them to do a search on his phone. Who did he call last? And they have told us that they will not do that because there hasn't been a crime committed. Because TJ is of age and he can go off and wander and become invisible. There's been no crime. If they would do a search on his phone and tell us who he called last, we would have a better idea. Actually, the essentials would have had a better idea of where to start their search. To pulling teeth to get that type of information, just to find out where the ping was, just to find out where the last dog sniff was. Well, I mean, you would not believe what we've had to go through to just get that mild bit of information, and it's monumental. One of the things that the 
especially the public should be aware of is as taxpayers, I think we need to put a little bit of pressure on uh, state and local governments to really start listening to the families. I know from experience that people believe because they want, you know, they want out of the current situation or whatever. But if a mother and father and a wife and a girlfriend are all saying this is not his character, this is not who he is, I think they need to pay a little bit more attention to that. Because when Tim's vehicle, Tim's vehicle was out there for four days before anybody did anything. And to me, if a vehicle is out in front of a high school, especially in this day and age with school shootings and stuff like that, there needs to be a little bit more concern and awareness. Right, and not only was his vehicle out there, it was unlocked. He's in the ignition, boot on the uh, passenger side seat. Receipts showing that he had just purchased it. If somebody would have just saw that vehicle and decide to run the license plate, which was an out-of-state license plate, I mean, there's so many misses on this case to where if somebody would have just took the initiative immediately, like I said, I believe we wouldn't be having this conversation. We would have found him. And that's the other thing we were up against. So when they finally decided uh, to move Tim's vehicle, because it should have been out there in front of the school, they had it towed. But they didn't tow it to the sheriff's office. They turned it over to a private phone company. So as far as, like, chain of custody or any potential evidence of foul play, anything like that, the initiative was lost frankly, because once, you know, other people are contaminating the vehicle, I mean, we had to send our people huh? to go and take photos of the items inside the vehicle to, to maybe do a comparison with his girlfriend or the family to see if anything was missing, if anything looked out of the ordinary, but frankly, they didn't know exactly what he took either. So, you know, it was, it, it's a difficult situation, but the the vehicle was not processed uh, at all. When they realized they made the mistake, what, him a month and a half, two months later, they decided okay. to tow the vehicle from the towing company's uh, area or business back to the sheriff's office. Okay. Uh, yep. Like a, a COA, um, if you will, which is, is you know, again, it, it's disturbing because, you know, and I, I get it, they're busy, but the totality of the circumstances show that something wasn't right. And if we would have acted on it even together, uh, and just doing a search. Now, the, the sheriff's office will say, hey, you know, we did a search, um, we did this, we did that. Um, but the truth is, they did an initial search with a drone, um, had to go to another agency for a bloodhound, which I bet not every agency has bloodhounds. Um, but when the, when the scent ended, so did the search, because the scent ended at a, uh, the beginning of a wooded area on 98 and US 19. And because it was in a different county now, Fitchburg County, all of a sudden, oh, it's not our responsibility, he was moving to another county. So he must have been walking, he's free to do whatever he wants as an adult, blah, blah, blah. And that was it. And not only was the truck sitting there for them four days and they flagged it, they didn't check any of the registration on it, be it the tag or the VIN. And a missing person, Bolo, went out on TJ on the 11th of December, okay? So that stuff was already in the system, and it would have popped up. They would have known right then that TJ wasn't in danger, and that's like Nico said, you don't park a vehicle in front of a school in this day and age. You just don't.
and it, and Nico's right. It had everything of Timmy's in it. It had his clothes. It had his laptop. And it, it, like Nico said, it had food. He had bought food at public, so he had food ready to go to work, and it was sitting in the front seat. That would have been a red flag enough for me. Um, uh, it just really upsets me that nothing scary. It, it was just like, okay, well, it's just an abandoned car, a big deal. They went, you know, they'll hook it back to the truck here tomorrow. Why didn't you run any of this information? When Terry and I contacted Hernando County and asked them could we get Timmy's belongings out of the vehicle, they told us that we couldn't do that because those were TJs, and I get it. So we called the bank, and we asked the bank if there was any way that we could get the uh, stuff. And the bank said, well, absolutely, you know, we're going to just go ahead and do it. And so they contacted Nando County, and the detective that was working on Timmy's case was supposed to have signed off on it. And this was in January. We had made a deal with the bank that we would bring the truck here to our property and that they would come here to pick it up. And then we got to Tallahassee, Terry and I did. And Terry had a really gut feeling that we should call the sheriff's department. And when we called them, we talked to the sergeant. And the sergeant was like, oh, no, that wasn't signed off. Well, what do you mean? The bank said it was signed off. No, we don't do stuff like that here. We've got to go through a, 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 like a system thing. In other words, two months worth of waiting. So the bank, we called them. They just were just like flabbergasted because they were lied to. So now the bank has put the truck into repo, and it's going to be two months before the bank is able to take possession of the truck. The bank has already given us permission that they're going to take the vehicle off property and we're going to get TJ's belongings out of it. But the thing is, the sheriff's department has gone in there and they've taken stuff out of Timmy's truck and put it in police property and we can't get hold of that because we don't have permission from TJ to get it. So I don't even know what they have in property. That's the other thing. Why would they put stuff into property or evidence if that case is closed? It just, it does, I, I've talked to other agencies, I've talked to federal agencies, and it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Nobody has a policy like that. So I, I don't know. From an investigative standpoint, I don't know um, if the case is closed. The, the only other thing I can think of is, 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 if there's a parallel investigation involving uh, him or maybe somebody else that he was associated with, and they did find some evidence. Yeah, so I, I think one of the important things is that the guy that told him to come down to Florida and uh, do some work with him wasn't really a good friend. And the reason being is, yeah, he was, he was a nice guy and a, and a friend saying, hey, I can find some work for you. But there was also, uh, to be brutally honest, some drug involved. And this person admitted to me that he knew Tim had been clean, but that day, or I should say later on that afternoon, he went to a specific area and purchased some narcotics. And unfortunately, that night we found out, and the very next day, the day that Tim went disappearing, he was not acting normally. So the possibility does exist that 
he may be in an area possibly potentially where there is drug involvement or some if something did happen to Tim, somebody may know something and they can call me anonymously, text me from a ghost phone, what have you, but you know, we, we just we hope that someday somebody is gonna call and say, Hey, you should look in this area. Unfortunately, the guy that was supposed to help him out, get a job, reintroduced him to something, and it got Tim in trouble, got him not thinking straight, and, you know, that's what started this whole debacle. I'm just hoping that TJ is out there and he just messed up in the head. You know, he's kind of snapped and needs to get his head together. Emotional situations going on, and there would be times that we would talk on the phone for hours until my phone went dead of him needing to sort out his feelings and whatnot and uh he, he i believe he was bipolar to be quite honest and i mentioned to him about going and getting help for that he did go speak to a spiritual advisor and the spiritual advisor was doing him wonders but then with the type of job that he had he was having to move so many times out of the area because horizontal drilling takes you just so far and then you got to go to another place that he stopped going to the spiritual advisor. So I think that he's, he's just snapped. But the problem with calling a mental hospital, those are known as rehab, and the HIPAA will not allow them to tell you whether your loved one is admitted. <laughs> So it's like a catch-22. If he's in there, hallelujah, you know. If he isn't, please tell me, but they can't. I just wish that he'd come home. <laughs> with Timothy experiencing high anxiety and stress, and with the reintroduction of narcotics into his system, it is possible that Timothy ended up in a drug area. He may not even know who he is. One area in particular, um, the same area that TJ and his friend went with to, I, I'm not going to call him a friend, I'm going to call him an associate, went to go and pick up narcotics, and that's on Cardinal Street. Cardinal Street runs east and west off of US-19. It's a high-crime, high-drug area, and out of all the areas where these particular, uh, particular drugs are available, it's, it's down this one main street there needs to be solved because Tim is out there somewhere and somebody knows something. I am very grateful for the community that's down there, all of them. I mean, I'll get messages from Facebook. Oh, I've seen somebody that looks like him over here. My thing is, it's been since December, and TJ could be, like, changed in, you know, his appearance and whatnot. So I put out there his tattoos. Uh, I am still getting uh, leads from people saying that they may have seen him in such and such a place. Uh, I've had people actually go into homeless camps and look around and talk to them and send out flyers. And I have a picture of our son on a refrigerator every day. I look at it and I say, where are you? You need to come home. I hear his voice. Hey, mama. What you got in the refrigerator, mom? Got something to eat? I hear him. 
I hear his voice. They don't care. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Timothy T.J. Brady, please contact Nico at 516-253-0610 or the Grants Pass Police Department at 541-450-6260. Please visit wearetheessentials.com to learn more about the nonprofit organization and their mission. If you have a loved one you'd like to be featured on our podcast, please contact me at podcastfindme at gmail.com. To learn how to support this podcast and our mission, please visit our Facebook group, Find Me Podcast.